you will this morning, turn with me to our text. Our text is found in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. It is the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read them this morning and then we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon them. It's Hebrews chapter 10, the, very, the first 10 verses. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have, have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how merciful thou art. O Lord, I pray that as you have brought us here this morning to worship thee, I pray indeed it has been in spirit and in truth that thou would be pleased this morning to open up thy word, that the truth would flow, that you would be pleased, Lord, to enable us to stand amazed at thy presence, to stand amazed at that glorious gift, to stand amazed at what you have done for thy people. Oh, Lord, as we enter into this season, I pray that you would call us out of the world, call our minds and our hearts and our understanding Lay them at thy feet. Thou would be pleased to instruct us, to make us whole in thy truth, to make us desirous of thy word, and that thy word would be lived out in our souls this day and all days. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you that the most amazing thing or event that has ever happened or took place in this world was Christ being born or being made flesh. When you think about this time of year and what time we come to, to think upon those things, I know that it is true that as a child of God, it is something that we, we love year-round. But I'm thankful. I am thankful for the seasons. I'm thankful for the time to stop because I am a creature of habit. So when, I, when I'm shown things or I see things and I have one thought, just one thought more than I would have had about my Lord and Savior, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. 
the most important event that ever has happened in time is what we celebrate. We celebrate that God left heaven's glory and he came down here as a man. Now think about that. A real man who lived under God's law in full and perfect obedience of it. You think about that as many times as you and I transgress that law every day. Then he laid down his life as a ransom to purchase his church from certain death and eternal damnation. I never tire of hearing how this great grace of Christ coming in time. I never tire of hearing what Paul called a great mystery. In 1 Timothy 3.16, he says, And without controversy, without any argument, without any thought against such a truth, Paul said, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Let those words sink down a moment to you. That God came out of glory and was manifested as a human. He took on our nature. He had to be the God-man. He was fully God in heaven as he was fully God or fully man here on earth. And that showed his omnipresence. He said something to Nicodemus that I think sometimes we gloss over because we just focus on the first part of the verse. And that is in John 3, 13. He says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. And we, we like that part. We think about, the, yes, that's the only mediator. That is, the, that is Jacob's ladder. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the rest of that verse says, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Think about that a minute. Think of the amazement. As he's speaking to a child of God, he tells him, as I'm stuck talking to you right now, in front of you, I am seated in heaven. I am on my throne in heaven. That is awe-inspiring to me. In fact, I can't, my mind can't wrap my, my thoughts and everything around it. It's too deep for me to understand that's what omnipresence is, that he is reigning, but yet he's here in our presence. And as he was to Nicodemus right in front of him. It's truly a great gift, that unspeakable gift, that I understand why it's unspeakable. I stumble to even try to explain the depth of the gift. I wouldn't even know where to start. We can't comprehend these things, that he's still on the throne, and yet he's here. And then we think about why he had to come. He had to come here to do something about sin. Sin had marred mankind. Sin had entered into the world and there was a great fall. And he's humbled himself as a servant of God 
And he came down, as Paul said in Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. And that's what we have for us today. We have a comparison. It was weak through the flesh. God sent his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to, and condemn sin in the flesh. He sent him, his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet he was without sin. That we might be the righteousness of God in him. I think about that and I'm in awe of what he's done. I'm in awe that he obeyed God's law perfectly. He obeyed man's laws perfectly. He obeyed Mary and Joseph's laws perfectly. We still have children in the room. Think about that. Everything his mom and dad asked him to do or told him to do, he did it. No murmuring, no complaining. Complete obedience. It sets him apart. It sets him apart of any person or human that's ever walked this earth. And it should because he is the God-man. And we can't ever forget that he came and it was a virgin birth. She had never known man. There was no way of corruption entering into this birth. It could not be from the seed of man. It must have been from the Holy Spirit and God himself. John said, I'm sorry, it's Matthew. Matthew 1, 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. That's the focus of today. All of the church's sin would be transferred to this one who came in time. All of them, all of our past, present, and future sins were transferred to this one who came in time. He was made sin. This man had to be God to do such a thing. And, and ask yourself, it had to be God to do God's work. And if you understand that experientially, you understand the, word, the words in these scriptures. It's all of Him. He is the power thereof. He is the, he, in Him we have our being and our life and our movement and everything. We owe everything to Him. So today, I want to look at these first ten verses. And I want to speak to you about the reason Christ had to come. We do celebrate at this time his coming, but I don't know how often we think about why he had to come. We say, oh, well, it's to save his people from their sins. It's true. But see, there was something put in place first that couldn't do it. And that's what we read. We start now in 10 we have something looking for us right here in the first part. It says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. 
Now, this morning I want to say something about the law as according to this word. I know what's popular nowadays. I know what's been popular ever since Satan spread the lie back after Christ rose again. What man likes to do is he likes to take the law of the Old Testament and divide it into two. He likes to divide it in the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, and the ceremonial law, which is all those things you find in Leviticus. But the New Testament never divides the law. It is the law in its entirety. And, and you've got to think and be very wary of this. When you hear people talk about the law, preachers especially. Because what they try to do is they try to tell you like in this passage, yes, he came and he fulfilled the ceremonial type of the law. But not the moral part. And then what they'll try to do with obedience and legal living and all of the yoke and they'll put it on you and try to put you back under the law and tell you that that's the part of the law that he expects you to fulfill. That's a big danger. It's a danger to your soul. It's a danger to peace. Because the word of God in the New Testament never separates that word law. See, the law in its entirety, the, the Ten Commandments, the ceremonies, all of the things the priests did, was a shadow. You know what a shadow is? It's not the real thing. The real thing is what's cast in the shadow. The shadow was something that was pointing to the real thing. That's what all of the Old Testament in the First Testament is for. It points to Christ in everything. Whether it's the tabernacle, whether it's the, the showbread, whether it's the, all of the pieces in the tabernacle, whether it's the ark, whether it's the ladder that I spoke of, all of these things that we read in the Old Testament point to Christ. That's why Paul said in Galatians 3 that the law is our schoolmaster. When we think of a schoolmaster and we think of our teachers, we think of them up there at the board pointing to the answer. That's the way the law was. It was pointing to a greater one to come. That's what verse 1 tells us. It was a shadow of good things to come. Justification is in Christ. Glorification is in Christ. Sanctification is in Christ. It's not in the law. It's not in what you do. It's not in your obedience. It's in what He's done. It's in the person of Christ. Law is just a shadow of good things to come. And it was needful. It was needful at that time because Christ had not come in time yet. And God was revealing to Israel, which is also a type, a type of the spiritual Israel. The nation of Israel is not the people of God. Spiritual Israel is. And so... We see the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. They're patterns. If you look right over, well, it is in my Bible, in chapter 9 at the end, when he's talking about the tabernacle here in 23 and 24, he said it was therefore necessary that the patterns 
of things in the heavens should be purified with these, those things here on earth. They were patterns. They showed forth Christ to come. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. If you ever pick up the book of Hebrews and you read the book of Hebrews, it's always setting apart Christ is better than fill in the blank. He's better than the angels. He's better than, he's a better mediator. He's a better priesthood than Melchizedek. He's a better everything. He's a better covenant. He is the covenant. Christ is always put in contrast of what was and what's fulfilled in Him. For Christ, 24, is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. It pictured Christ in heaven. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's what these passages are showing us. The good things to come was Christ who did it all for His people. And when we come to what Paul said that Christ is all and in all, it takes a deeper meaning. It should take a deeper meaning. What does that mean to you? Is He everything to you? Is He your obedience? Is He your holiness? Is He your life? Is He your sanctification? For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So as they offered them year, and he's speaking about the year, the atonement, the day of atonement, the priest would make a sacrificial offering for all of the people and he, they would have two goats up there, one to, for sin and one to lay the sins on the people and, and release it as a scapegoat. And that happened every year. And then what Paul said, it didn't make them perfect. The conscience wasn't purged. The sin wasn't taken away. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So he says in verse 2, he, he, understand, he says, here's the conclusion. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? If you had to offer one time, the one year, and it was for your sin, and it was complete sacrifice, and it appeased God's wrath, and everything was perfect in it, you would never have to offer it again. But it wasn't perfect. This is why Christ had to come. For them would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. So as Aaron entered into the Holy of Holies, and as he did this once a year, he'd come back out, he would finish the ceremony, and after the ceremony was over, he basically said to them, we'll see you next year. And then there were daily sacrifices. The people knew that they sinned more, so they would bring sacrifice, a lamb or pigeons or whatever they were to appease God's wrath for their sin for that day. And when they did it, they'd turn around, they'd go home, and guess what? They'd bring another at a later date. Because this sacrifice wasn't complete. Paul said if it was, there would no need to be for that second sacrifice. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Isn't that the truth? We're going to keep bringing up those same sins. All right, everybody, we're going to have this sacrifice today. Think of all the sins you've ever done. 
And everybody's out there thinking about it. Okay, the Lord's taking them away today. And then the next year comes. Now think of all the sins you've ever done. But see, that's not what Christ is to us. He plunged all of our sins. He took them all. He died for all of them. He nailed them to the tree. And he plunged them into the forgetfulness of God, if there is such a thing. And he doesn't remember those sins. They've been blotted out forever. And that's what we rest in today. That's where our peace is. It's that the Lord has dealt with those sins. He's put them away. And that's where our, why we have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 4, we see Paul says, if, it, if Paul is the writer of Hebrews, he says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Why? If it was a type, why? Well, there's three reasons. The first reason is the goat or the bull is not the same nature as the one who offended God's holy law. He can't represent me. That goat and that bull has nothing to do with me. He's not my nature. But one came down from heaven to take my nature. To stand in my place. You see the significance and the importance of the God-man? The offended, the offending party. That's us. He had to become us. To be that perfect sacrifice. He's not a bull and he's not a goat. He's a man. He took our nature to stand in our place. So that's the very first. That's the first reason. But what about the one who is offended? God. The bull and the goat cannot represent God. How can they? They're just animals. So in the perfect sacrifice, one has to be God. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who God could take a sacrifice from and it be perfect because he's God. So you see the importance as the God-man to fulfill this sacrificial role, to be the one perfect sacrifice never to be offered again. And then, of course, the third reason, none of those animals, none of them ever volunteered for the role that they were in. They didn't. You could not, none of those bulls and none of those goats, especially if they had any clue to what was going on, and they saw the shedding of the blood of the other ones, none of them were running up there and saying, take me. None of them. But there must be a laying down of life. This is a sacrifice, a true sacrifice. And that's what the rest of our text today speaks about. It speaks about the one who came from heaven in a perfect, voluntary sacrifice to lay down his life for his children, for his church. So let's look at verse 5. Wherefore, wherefore is taken off on verse 4. Verse 4 said, it's not possible 
that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, though? There's an answer for that. When he cometh into the world. I want you to think about this. Jesus said these words. (laughs) These are the words of Christ. He said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me. A body. A real body. Just as you and I have. As we've already discussed, his without sin. His made immaculately holy, perfect. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin hast thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, To do thy will, O God. I said, lo. I I think about that, that, that transaction, if you will, that happened in eternity. That God the Father said, I will elect a people. I will elect a people that we will save everlastingly and eternally. And Jesus put up his hand and he said, I will voluntarily lay down my life For those people. And the Holy Spirit said. I will seal them. Unto perfect sanctification. And I will reveal everything. That their Savior did for them. Do you not see that? Turn back with me to Psalm 40. Where I read last week. Also at the time unbeknownst to me. That's where this passage would come from. Uh, Psalm 40. Look at 6, 7, and 8. It's a fulfillment. When David wrote this, we we see a lot of those messianic psalms that David had that he spoke in the place of Christ. They were were foreshadowing Christ to come. Psalm 22, 23, 24. And then Psalm 40, sacrifice and offering. This is verse 6. Thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And you see the perfect fulfillment of what Christ did. And you see the whole purpose of him coming to save his people from their sins. And to save them from ordinances and things that God put in. We don't sit here and say, oh, that was so unholy. No, they were holy. They pointed to Christ and they showed the inadequacy of man to come to Christ. They showed the inadequacy of man to appease the wrath of God. Everything we do, we can't do it perfectly. We have sin that has marred everything that we do. Therefore, we need a Savior. And we need one to satisfy everything that the Father wanted satisfied. His justice, His anger against sin, His holiness. In Genesis 3.15, we read the first time in all of the Gospels and all of the word of God 
that Christ was spoken of, the fulfillment of Christ coming. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he was speaking to Satan, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was the first time it was mentioned that what we're reading here in Hebrews, what Christ would do when coming in time, and his purpose in laying down his life, and putting away Satan, and putting him under his feet. He was manifested to put down and to destroy the works of the devil. And praise God that he was and that he did. We see this willingness of Christ. I come in our text. I come. A willingness and a love to do so. To lay down his life. Remember what John said about Jesus when he saw him? In John 1, 29, he said, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the whole world. It was revealed to John that that was his Savior, that he took away all of his sins in that one God-man. He took on all of those sins and paid the debt to set us free. Behold the Lamb of God. That's what I desire this season, to behold more of the Lamb of God. For you to behold more of the Lamb of God, to understand, to to have more every day of what this sacrifice and what this gift truly is. Lo, I come. I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And then, the writer of Hebrews repeats what was just said for emphasis, and he says, above, when he said, sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will. I come to be born in a manger. I come to to obey perfectly in my life here on earth and to minister and to preach and to go to everyone that you will send me to. I must needs go to Samaria. I must needs, as Brother Paul preached last week, I must needs go to that cross where where one of my people are. And I must lay down my life for all of my sins. I must rise again to defeat death, to defeat Satan, to do an end to sin. I must do all of those things. That is my Father's will. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Don't ever forget it is voluntary. He said that in John 10, 18. He said, no man taketh it from me, speaking of his life. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. In John 19.30, which is a precious verse to the children of God, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, 
And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. He dismissed his life. No man could take it from him. Those two thieves were still alive. Those two thieves would have their legs broken. Those two thieves had to go through the complete crucifixion process. But not this one. Not this son of God. Not the one who was in the middle. He laid down his life. He said, this is it. It is finished. That's the voluntary sacrifice in the nature of the one who came in the perfect sacrifice. And he could stand perfect on that cross. He could stand as God, representing God as a perfect mediator between us and God. As a perfect man and perfect God. That's what we celebrate. That's what I desire to celebrate over and over every day. Lord, you came in time. You came for me. You came for your church to set us free, to give us life, to give us the meaning of life. Then at the end of this verse, he says, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Yes, he established the covenant of grace in himself. He fulfilled all of the first covenant, As we've talked about all day, today, he has fulfilled every law, every ordinance, every ceremony. He took away the first that he may establish the second. He took away the first law to establish the second law. But I say unto you, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. All of this is swallowed up in those two commandments. That's the commandment Jesus gave. He took away the first to establish the second. He took away the fall in the first Adam and established the second Adam, where salvation is for his people. These scriptures fit so beautifully together. And they're his story. It's everything that he has done from start to finish. And we don't throw out the first covenant. We don't throw out the first part. Because gloriously, it points to our Lord and Savior. And it shows us everything that we read there. We have to read it. I know I do. I read it with that, oh, I'm so thankful there's a Savior who's come. I don't think any of us would want to be sacrificing today. I don't think any of us would want to be putting our pets or our, you know, Frankie was telling me that a couple weeks ago, all of those cows are basically pets to him. You want to sacrifice them because of your sin? The guilt you had of, of, of all the sins you've done against the Holy God. But we don't. And all the will worship and all the things we have to and must to, that we call sacrifices, that we call, Lord, let me bring this to you, as Cain did, they're rubbish. They're not accepted. 
Because this is the one he accepted. He accepted his son. And as his son went to the cross, we went with him. And as he died, we died with him. And as he rose again, we rose again with him. And as he ascended up into heaven, we ascended with him. Oh, that's too deep for me to understand. I know it. I know it. It is hard. It's it's hard to wrap your head around the things the Bible says of what Christ has done for his people and what he's done standing in their place. That perfect propitiatory sacrifice. Perfect justice now has been honored. It could not be any other way. I mean, I know we all try to think of it. Could there have been another way? No. It had to be the God man. May the Lord lead you this, this season to him to see this perfect sacrifice. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will. And that's, that's kind of a humorous part this morning. Which will is it for you? Which will is it? Is it yours? Is it by your will every day and what you do and what you accomplish? Or is it by His will? By the which will, His will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Perfect sacrifice. Never another sacrifice. I've heard many things in my life in religious circles. I've heard many what can you offer to Christ? Well, I cringe at that now in the, in the age that I am now. I cringe to hear those things. And I say, Lord, you know, simply to thy cross I cling because there's nothing in my hands I can bring. Nothing. I have nothing to offer. I look at myself and I see how far short I fall to the glory of God. He, in his faithfulness, reveals his Son to show me the glory of God and what He's done in my place and for me. My soul and my heart and my understanding. May that be upon our hearts this season. And may He always go before us and lead us to Himself. Dear Heavenly Father, most gracious Lord, have Thy power and Thy clarity. O Lord, Bring us away from self that we may see the God-man. That you would be pleased to reveal him deeper and give us a deeper understanding of all the gifts and all that he has done for his church. For this I ask in Jesus' name.